Welcome back this evening as we continue through our study through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Before we begin that, I want to remind you that our uh, guest speaker and his wife are with us still this evening. And uh, uh, Craig and the missions group wanted to let me know that, wanted me to let you know that, so that uh, if you have any questions or wanted to inquire of them anymore about the great work that they're doing, part of which was shared this morning, uh, please ask him about that and, and uh, send them our, our well wishes and certainly our prayers for the continued work that you are doing. Now, I realize uh, this morning there was a, a little, you guys were having a little bit of fun at my expense for mispronouncing the name, but, you know, it's a hard name to pronounce. Kim is very difficult. So, now I'm just teasing. Raul and Kim Salis uh, have been a blessing. Did I mispronounce it? What did I do? Okay. We are glad that you're here, even if the preacher has trouble talking. We are in Luke chapter 5 this evening. As we, as you turn there, um, and as we prepare to think about uh, the message tonight, I want you to think for just a moment how clean our culture is. Uh, we live in a world where uh, I tell my children uh, often to wash their hands. I remember several years ago there was an outbreak of the flu and up went the sanitizing stations, not just around the schools, but around the church here to encourage people to clean and to sanitize uh, to prevent the spread of illness. And by the way, if you're a teacher, uh, you folks have some of the toughest immune systems that God ever created. They literally live in a walking, talking Petri dish, and uh, it's we're grateful for the work that you do. Uh, but that cleanliness is just pervasive throughout our world. You don't hardly do anything without washing your hands. And as you go throughout your routine, that's just a part of it. We live in a world where, uh, you know, we, we flush away problems, where we have uh, clean water available at the tap most anywhere. Uh, we think of... Uh, all the ways in which we can clean and disinfect and sanitize the world that we live in. But but as we think about that, you need to understand that that's a huge assumption, that, that we do not, we are in the minority, not just, not just of any age, but, but in this country. There are many places in the world that, that live uh, much, well, there's open refuse in the streets, there's, uh, sewage, uh, there's uh, animal waste, there's disease without medicine. Uh, those things exist, those worlds exist today, in, in 2019. Uh, it's so hard to imagine in our world, um, but those worlds do exist today and, and have existed for most of history. In fact, this is the world that we step into as we look at the story of Jesus tonight, a world that did not have an abundance of soap and hand sanitizing stations, a world where when you got sick, it was just dependent upon how healthy of a person you were as to whether or not you would survive. The life expectancy was considerably less, and uh, that's a different world than we understand. God had instructions specifically for his people. Uh, how to live as clean people in a world that didn't have a lot of cleanliness to it. 
and we'll look at some of those tonight. But in part of the law, I was reading this just this past week, Deuteronomy 7.15, Jesus, or the, God said to his people, The Lord will keep you clean from every disease. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on those who hate you. A part of following the law, a part of the, the lists and the rules and the routines and the hygiene and, the, and the, the, the demands for dealing with diseases of every type and how to... Have certain people separate from the camp. All of those, as tedious as they may be for us to to read, imagine how incredibly burdensome they were for the people to live. That was the world they lived into because the law could tell people how to deal with sickness and uncleanliness, but it could not heal people from sickness and uncleanliness. The law was designed to keep them from getting sick, but the problem was it could not heal them once they became sick. And for that, we needed a healer. And that's where we are this evening as we think about our story tonight. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Luke, the good doctor, writes about the story of a sick man. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. This story is told in several places in Scripture. In the synoptic accounts, Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, Mark chapter 1, Verses 40 through 45, and then the passage that was just read from Luke. Each of these accounts tell us a little bit of a, of a, it's the same story, but it's just a different perspective on the same story. This is a, a story which is difficult for us to relate to today. I, I haven't seen or met any lepers in my life. I have met some people with Clearly a skin disease, Um, and I remember vividly uh, meeting a woman actually at uh, the place where I got my hair cut, and she was one of the stylists, and she was covered not in open sores, but, but what I would basically call a wart or growth, except they were all over her hands, her arms, her face, everywhere. It was hard to know how to react, uh, knowing that she had probably dealt with this her whole life, people no doubt being cruel and callous. Um, But I've never met someone with, uh, as the scripture describes this, as an infectious skin disease, as leprous. Uh, There are not many leper colonies that remain in at least the developed world. There's a great book that I read several years ago called 
in the sanctuary of outcasts about the story of a, a, a man who goes to prison. Uh, and that prison just happens to be jostled up to the last remaining leper colony in the United States in uh, Louisiana. That leper colony is now closed, so there are no more leper colonies in the, uh, in the United States. But it still exists in the world. It's just not something we're familiar with. Tonight, I, I don't want to focus as much on the physical leprosy. We'll, we'll mention it. We'll talk about it. But, but I want to, to look at the deeper kind of infection that you and I have had and that we live in a world that's full of and that we face every day, uh, a leprosy of a much deeper kind. We are like lepers, you and I, and uh, we share some things in common. Verse 12 says, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Now, Luke's phrasing here in the scriptures indicates that this is a not just a, a little spot of leprosy. It's not the beginning stages of this infectious skin disease. This is covered. This, this man is covered from head to toe. It is evident to all that he is infected. In fact, the Greek term that is translated most often as leprosy in the English translation is uh, rendered in the Greek not as leprosy but as an infectious skin disease. It's very serious, it's very chronic, and there is no cure for it. Once you were diagnosed with this, by the way, it changed your life forever. Leviticus chapter 13 is the chapter that deals specifically with, uh, again, God and his people trying to not only prevent disease, but prevent the spread of disease, it deals in great detail and what to do when you see a spot of skin that doesn't look quite right, that has a hair that's miscolored. Uh, there were uh, specific things that one had to do. Uh, immediately, without delay, verse 45 of Le Leviticus 13, the person with such an infectious skin disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. As difficult as it would have been, no doubt, to have been diagnosed with the disease in a time when there was no medicine, no cure, uh, no way to treat this, uh, undoubtedly such a diagnosis would fill one with despair. If you've ever been a person who suffered from a physical ailment, from which there was not an immediate cure known. Something that the doctor said you would have to learn to live with that might be chronic, that would get progressively worse, you can identify with this kind of despair. The hardest part of this diagnosis is the last phrase of the last verse as long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. There's very few diseases in our modern world that require such isolation. But in that time, of course, it was 
absolutely cruel, but also absolutely necessary so that it wouldn't spread among the camp. This isolation was done for the safety of the group, but it was far worse, in my estimation, and probably yours, far worse than the disease itself. Having leprosy is bad. Isolating a person uh, from all human contact is one of the most cruel things you can do to a human being. And yet, you and I, because of our sin in a spiritual state, we were in the same way, far off, isolated from God, separate from Him. You'll recall Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and following. Remember that you were once separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Our sickness didn't just affect our soul, it affected the spirit, and it separated us from our Creator. And like lepers, well, we may have experienced our doubts like this leper did. Verse 12, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Like lepers, we wondered. We, we consider that the leper did not doubt Jesus' ability, only his will. Why would someone doubt Jesus? Why would a leper doubt Jesus' ability? By this time, Jesus was well known uh, for his ability. Why would the leper doubt his will? May I submit to you that because he had lived his entire life being rejected, maybe even by those who could have done something but were unable or, and unwilling. Many have the ability to help but not the desire. Uh, from, from Mark's account of this, uh, he writes, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing. You can make me clean. Not sure if you've ever been there. You've yielded to temptation. You've struggled with sin. You're battling with sin. And you do not doubt Jesus' ability, but you do, maybe, just possibly, if only a seed planted by the enemy, doubt His will to make you clean. That, that in some cruel-hearted sort of way that Jesus wants you to serve an isolated walk of, of penance to be by yourself. You'll hear that from people who are struggling with sin. No one understands what I've been through. No one understands my journey. And gracefully and mercifully, I would say, maybe not. But Jesus does. He is absolutely willing to heal to those who are willing to come to him. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. The, the Greek here is, is, is almost an explosion of cleanliness. Just a instantaneous, forthwith, total, from head to toe, instantaneous cleansing that Jesus provides the man. Can you imagine 
what the leper must have felt in that moment. That, that, that just just the, the moment he opens his eyes and he sees his flesh not raw and wounded, not infected and disgusting, not, not capable of infecting, but, but healthy and normal and like everyone else's. I've got a little wound here on my thumb. Well, it, it's a stupid story and you don't want to hear it. But it's a wound, and it gouged me pretty good. So I've been kind of, had the Band-Aid on it, and had the Neosporin on it, and it's healing up. You can hardly, there's just the small remnants of it. And I know that the body is such a, a, an amuse, amazing, beautiful, powerful machine that God's created. That there will be a time, six months, nine months, a year down the road, when I'll look at that thumb and forget that the wound was even there. This was like that for a man, and yet his entire life, or much of it, had been, had been covered in sickness. And now, instantaneously, in a moment, he had been cleansed. And we understand that it is God's will, and of course Jesus is along with it, that none should perish in a state of sickness. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, Peter says, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Our doubt offer often centers around Jesus' will far more than Jesus' ability. People will live in silent sin and sickness because they doubt his will and his willingness to clean, I've never heard anyone that seriously doubted his ability. What they doubted was whether Jesus wanted to. I know Jesus loves me, I'm just not sure that he likes me. Why would he care for me? He wouldn't care. Oh, I'm too far gone. I, I don't belong in church, and I don't belong with church-going people. Maybe you've been yourself of that attitude. And if you have... May you, it is my prayer that you have experienced Jesus in the way in which this man experienced Jesus. There was only one hope for him. There's only one hope for us. That is that we, like lepers, needed healing. I am willing, the scriptures say, I am willing, be clean. And immediately, immediately, the leprosy left him. This is interesting, what the man was powerless to do, what the law could not do. The law could pronounce the man sick, but the law could not heal the man from being sick. He could not change his nature, but Jesus was full of the ability not just to recognize his sickness and his need, but to do something about it. Once he was cleaned by Jesus, he was immediately and fully and totally and powerfully and irrevocably clean. I wonder if that man had a different perspective as he would walk by a leper later in his life who had not been clean, who had not been cleansed. So I know where you've been. I know the path you walk. How often we try to rid ourselves of the stain and the sickness of sin. We'll hide from it. We'll ignore it. We'll pretend it doesn't exist. We will blame other people. We will try to make up for it with our good works. But nothing on our end of the 
the deal and heal. Healing from comes from him and him alone. God's perfect cleansing for this man was one time and continually. That this man, well, at least as far as we know, didn't contract any more sickness. He was full. He was clean, totally. Now think about your own sin, your own spiritual leprosy for just a minute. When you start to think, weigh yourself down with guilt and sorrow, and, and you start to react to the normal human ways of reacting to sin, think about John, what he says in First John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and you want to highlight this, underline it, you want to you know, just immediately begin focusing on this part of the verse, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You've no doubt heard the exegesis on the word there, meaning it's continuative action, it's ongoing action. When Toby became a Christian nearly 30 years ago, He's sinned a lot since then, you understand? I mean, would you like me to give you some specifics? Of course, of course you would, but I'm not going to. But what you need to know is that in Christ, I have the promise, just as you do, of his cleansing blood, his active healing, cleansing continuously the blood. That's what it means to be washed in the blood because if I had to get up into baptistry every single time I sinned you couldn't keep the baptistry full of water if it had anything to do with the water well we're just grateful it doesn't the blood of Jesus his son continually purifies us from all sin how did that happen well the gospel accounts tell us that Jesus became Leprous, that Jesus became spiritually unclean to clean lepers. Turn to Isaiah chapter 53. I know it's not in the book of Luke, but this is a Sunday night crowd, and I think you're fully capable of both the Old Testament and the New. Isaiah 53. The the suffering servant, the, the, the prophecy about Jesus is this. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected. I'm sorry, did what, what did you say, Isaiah? He was despised and rejected. You think, you think the leper thought that Jesus had no idea what it was like to live his kind of life? And Jesus says, oh, in fact, oh, in fact, very much so, I'm about to know being despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. And yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. You see, his body was whipped and lashed. His hands were pierced with nails. His head was struck with a staff and pierced with a crown of thorns. 
He was spat upon for us. He was mocked for us. His body was struck and slapped and bruised for us. And why did he do that? Why did such a Savior do such a thing for a group of people who hardly understood it? Oh, First Peter tells us quite clearly, chapter 2, verse 24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus was understood very much what it meant to take on separateness and affliction and sickness. He did that for us by the wounds he took on the cross. He became sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he became sin for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, if you think about this from a clean and unclean perspective, let me put this in the new revised Toby Sunday night version. I don't know exactly what those initials are, but you can figure it out. God made him who was clean to be unclean for us so that in him we might become fully, totally, eternally clean before God. The beauty of Jesus, you see then, is not just that he was willing, and not just in what he said, but in what he did. Like lepers, we all needed his hand. Jesus reached out and touched the man. How long had it been since this man had been touched by anyone? It is amazing, the power of a touch And yet, when we fear sickness and disease, it's one of the last things we want to do. You know, cold and flu season, you come to church, stick out the hand. And you're like, no, thank you. I will keep myself healthy and clean, thank you very much. There is an aversion to touching that which is unclean. And even the provision of the law pronounced that he could not be touched. The the, the law was powerless to heal the man and even more powerless to touch the man. Jesus touched the leper when no one else would. Of course, the risk, if you're thinking ahead is that the rabbi would become infected, would become himself pronounced unclean, leprous. Ministry uh, ministry is this kind of work, but ministry is also people work. And I spend a lot of time in hospitals. There have been times when I've had to go in and wear a mask or go in and put on a suit, uh, a almost looking like a biohazard suit, and do the visit. And then when I leave, uh, make sure to disinfect my hands and discard the uh, outer coverings and throw those away carefully. I have great concern when I do that. 
It's not that I don't care about the person to whom I'm ministering. It's that I have young children and a wife with an autoimmune disease. I, I take that seriously. I think about Jesus. And the beautiful thing that he does here is not just deity, it's humanity. You're not getting me right now, so I'm going to pick on Grant. If Grant had leprosy and I was Jesus, understand, Grant can represent Grant. It's a far stretch for me, but follow along. If Grant had leprosy and I had the ability to heal Grant by just saying a word, and we know that Jesus did that, all I would have to do is say, Grant, be healed. But pay attention to what Jesus does. He reaches out. And touches, can you come here for just a second? He reaches out and touches a leper. I got to think that Jesus didn't just put a hand on him, but did one of these things, okay? Grant, have you ever been hugged before? A couple times. Okay, okay. Let's try this again, okay? Jesus touched the leper, and embraced his uncleanliness, as awkward as that was for the leper, do you understand the implications for Jesus? He was not afraid. He reached out and did for the man what he did for all of us. He touched. He interacted flesh to flesh, risking his own holy cleanliness, that he might heal those who needed it. Thank you, Grant. We all needed what the leper got. Jesus' compassion was more than just compassion, you see. It was, a, it was compassionate action. It was at risk to, him, to his own self. Mark's account of this says, Jesus, filled with compassion, reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. His, passions were be, his compassion went beyond rhetoric and intention and desire. He was willing to get himself dirty and to make the man clean. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel then, that's the gospel today. And then he says, show yourself to the priests and know that this is not just Jesus being technical about it. Jesus understands for the man to be pronounced clean, that a priest must pronounce him clean so that he'll be accepted back into the community. The touch of the master's hand was what he needed more than anything. And it's my contention that it is the touch of Jesus that makes the difference still today more than anything. Was battered and scarred, the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while 
to waste much time on the old violin. But he held it up with a smile. What am I bid, good people, he said. Who will start the bidding for me? A dollar? One dollar. Do I hear two? Two dollars? Who will make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three. But no. From the room far back, a gray-bearded man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet like a caroling angel sings. The music ceased and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I now bid for this old violin as he held it aloft with the bow? A thousand, a thousand, do I hear two? Two thousand, who will make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. The audience cheered, but some of them cried, we just don't understand. What changed its worth? Quick came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune all battered with bourbon and gin, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once. He's going twice. He's going and he's almost gone. But the master comes. And the foolish crowd, can never quite understand the worth of the soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the Master's hand. What is the lesson for us? For us who either were once lepers spiritually or who are today, may our transformation be our testimony. Remember who you were and remember what you are and what you, who you are. Unclean, but made clean. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Remember that you have been cleansed. He reached out to you. 1 Corinthians 6 describes a group of people who had a much deeper kind of leprosy. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And some people stop there and forget there's the rest of the story. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. Some might say you were touched by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And His touch made a world, indeed an eternity of difference. In Christ, you and I have a transformation story to tell. And you know someone that needs to know the cleansing power of Jesus 
They've hit rock bottom. They're, they're, they're separate. They're isolated. They're alone. They feel like no one understands. And at that point, maybe even more than at any other point, they are in a prime position to be led to, to hear about the beautiful, the powerful, the majestic Jesus. So may you get your hands dirty. It's one thing to be healed, but it's another thing to share where other lepers can go for healing. Tonight, if you are in the spiritual leprosy of sin, you can receive healing. You can receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Maybe you are in Christ, but you do not feel like you have been healed. That you are still suffering that you are in a sickness, that you cannot heal yourself. You need to know Jesus. And now, more than ever, you need to draw near to Him. If you have a need tonight, I beg you, as the man begged Jesus, please, do not wait, do not tarry. Come to Jesus. He is not just able. He is willing. The question is, are you willing? If you are, please come as together we stand and sing.